Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, we'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline, and I'm on the marketing team. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Liz. I head up the Ballard creative team. We're We're your host. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer a listener question at the end of each show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at ballarddesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. Now, on with the show. Our guest today is Rashida Gray of Gray Space Interior Design in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Her firm specializes in residential and boutique commercial projects, and her work has been featured in Better Homes and Gardens, Architectural Digest, El Decor, HGTV, and she was also named as one of House Beautiful's Next Wave Designers. Rashida, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. We're happy to have you, and today we are going to focus on renovating. You're going to share all of your insight, answer all of our listeners' questions. And Rashida, I saw in, obviously in your portfolio, you have lots of reno projects, but I also was listening to Gail Davis's podcast, Design Perspectives, Mm -hmm. and you talked about how your own home renovation was sort of the impetus for starting your second career as an interior designer. Obviously, you're the lady for this episode, so we're excited to chat with you. That's a great 360 moment. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I think so so a couple of, let's see, I guess it was a couple months ago. Now we did an episode or a series of episodes about building a house, but we haven't really talked about renovating because it is kind of a different animal. Mm -hmm. So let's just start at the beginning. What kind of questions do you need to have answered for yourself before you start a renovation project? Do you need a budget? Do you have to have a wish list? Yeah. Can you start without those? You know, like you said, my journey into interior design kind of started from where I would imagine everyone on the other end of this microphone is at. So you're a homeowner and you're thinking about a renovation and you're kind of like, where do I start? So I would say you always want to start with the, the end goal in mind. And so it's almost like a renovation project or an interior design project for that matter, is just like any other project. And so you you kind of approach it in a project management perspective. So start with your end goal in mind, and that will guide you throughout the entire journey. So an example of that might be, I am looking to have more storage in my home. That's a big thing here in Philadelphia. Um, our homes are you know, it's inner city, maybe a little bit smaller than normal, and you just have to maximize your space. So I have a couple and they're empty nesters and they have downsized from a 5,000 square foot house in the suburbs of New Jersey to like a 1,800 square foot condo in downtown Philly. And so their renovation goal is to have more storage. So you start with that goal in mind and it will drive you throughout the entire process. So it's okay to start abstract on on like big concept on what you want. Yeah, I think so. And then, you know, that's your starting point, right? So after you figure out and goal, then you're looking for imagery to support that so you can develop a plan. We're lucky with the internet now where there's tons of sites for resources for inspiration. I love Pinterest and Howl's and places like that, but a simple Google search 
a kitchen with lots of storage, searching that, or a bedroom with lots of natural sunlight, and then save those images to some sort of folder digitally. And then that is kind of like your next step. So now you have this goal and now you're developing some images to support it. By the time I come to you, do I have to know, like, again, it's okay just to have a pile of images of like, I want a store like this, but is my place even, can it even happen? Right. Yeah. I always, in our design process, if a potential client doesn't already have images, we direct them to do that. So we say, dream, dream big. What would you love your space to be? And sometimes they may not know what the end goal is, but through their images, I can see somewhat of a trend. I can see, oh, they really like a white kitchen or, oh, they're really looking for more seating to entertain more. So we'll pick up on that trend or what that end goal is. But yes, if they don't have it, we always direct them to have those images stored to begin the design process. What about your budget? Yeah. The big B word. Um, <laughs> it's so scary. I didn't even want to use the word. It is. It is definitely something that we like to tackle when we do renovation projects early on. We have. I like to say, let's get the business out of the way so that we can then be creative and enjoy as much as possible the renovation process. So when we work with clients, we help to identify what their budget should be, and then we partner with contractors along the way. So there's really three parts to a renovation budget. One is materials, finished materials, such your um, your uh, cabinetry, etc. The other is the labor cost. And usually within the labor cost, you're going to get from a contractor the rough materials. So like two by fours and drywall and all those great things. If you hire a designer, the third part would be the design fees or the service fees for that service. Um, And so we like to guide our clients through that budget process. There are websites out there that give you a general rule of thumb, like Home Advisor, I think, has like a general rule of thumb on if you live in this part of the country, this is what a renovation would cost for a bathroom versus a kitchen. But are those accurate? I think, yeah, actually, for the most part, they, okay. they tend to be really accurate and realistic. Um So, yeah, budget is definitely the third step. You know, you've identified your goal. You have your visuals. Now let's lock in a budget. And then also with budget, you have to be uh, flexible, quote unquote. And so um, you always want to have a miscellaneous line item for anything that may come up as you open up the walls or you kind of uh, discover along the way, this doesn't make sense to have in this place. Let's do something totally different or let's pivot a little bit. So you have to plan for miscellaneous in your budget and you can use general websites or the help of a professional like a designer to help you guide with the budget process. How much should we figure in for the miscellaneous? Is that 5% of the overall budget, 15% of the overall budget? Yeah, that's a good question. I usually lock in at 10, 10%. And I always say, listen, if we don't need it, you're going to have it back at the end of the project. I'd rather give you a refund than to ask for more money. And so again, that's like, let's tackle business up front. But it totally depends also on your house and the project. You know, in Philadelphia, we have new construction and then we have homes that were built in the late 19th century. And so those homes tend to have more surprises than new construction. And so I would err on the side of caution and maybe budget a bit more for miscellaneous if you have an older home or a lot of unknowns with your project. 
How would a designer typically charge for a renovation budget? Is that a flat rate? Is it is it based on your overall budget? Yeah, good question. Um, you know, every designer is different, but I would say I've heard kind of three methods of um, pricing for renovation services. Um, one is the method that we use, which is a flat rate. And so we'll um, take a look at the scope of work for the project and determine how much time will be needed based on our experience to fully execute. And um, I can go into detail what it looks like to work with a designer in the renovation process, but um, we'll assign a flat fee um, for that project based on scope and number of hours. The other two approaches I've seen like a percentage of the budget as a way to actually um, assign a design fee. And then lastly, square footage calculation, um, X number of dollars per square foot um, as well. I guess it's really not in like, um, like you're kind of estimating the hourly uh-huh. and then you're just sort of, it's kind of like if you were to hire a lawyer, like you're going to know, like they're going to charge you an <laughs> no, hourly you're rate. Better you know? than, you're better than lawyers. Um, you know, well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, relatively but speaking, just, like think about it like you would if you were hiring, you know, anyone that charges hourly, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, well, um, at Grayspace, we actually like to have that flat fee and it stays flat. There's no um, wavering in it unless the scope of work changes. And um, I would say it's it's not kind of like a random number in the sky. Usually when I'm working with clients, I'll say, here is the list of inventory, like our inventory list for your project. So if you're doing a kitchen renovation, you're going to need hardware, cabinetry, um, paint color, grout color. Um, all of those things I listed out line by line. And then I say, generally in our experience, it's going to take us about three hours to source cabinetry and to develop a cabinet plan and, and a half an hour for your grout. So that's how we get to that flat fee based off mm-hmm. of all of those details. And we, we take Got the time it. to outline it for the client. I love thinking of all of those details up front. Yeah. It kind of it kind of helps keep scope creep from, from happening on projects. But um. How often does that happen where someone's like, like in the middle of a project and you've got, you've, you've got it all going your, your way. And then all of a sudden they, they switch gears while you're in here. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For it us, every time. All of the time. Yes. I knew it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and listen, I, you know, I too am a consumer or someone who would like to have renovation done in their home. So I get it. Cause in the beginning, you're like, the kitchen is the focus. And then you're like, well, I didn't even think about that problem in the bathroom that we've had for like five years. And since they're here, we should talk about it. So um, it happens. But I think the benefits of working with a professional is, whether it's a contractor or a designer and contractor, is that they would write up a new scope of work and create an addendum to the contract. And and this just keeps everyone on task and outline a, a time frame because the worst thing that could happen is you have someone in working on your project, a contractor, and you say, oh, let's do this new additional thing. And it diverts them from the focus, the original project. And then, mm-hmm. you know, months have passed and you're like, why is this taking so long? Oh, we had an additional unexpected scope creep or scope of work. So I would say the professional's job, whether it's a GC, general contractor, or an interior designer, is to project manage as well. And um, if there is scope creep, 
they should address it accordingly. Do you feel like it is more budget friendly to go project by project or to like do it all at once? Oh, such a good question. I get that all the time um, with our potential clients. So I'm walking through a a house for the first time during a consultation and they're like, we really want to do all the bathrooms, but we're not sure based on budget, we'll decide. And it is more cost effective to do it all at once because you're having each trade, the plumber, the electrician Mm. come out one period of time as Mm. opposed to individual time periods. Um, Especially right now, contractors are so busy. And so not only would it be more costly to have them come out separately, but then also your time frame extends longer than necessary. I feel like that seems so scary to think like, oh, we'll just do it all at once. But it does, it totally makes sense when you describe it. Well, and I I guess I would say you have to be realistic about lifestyle too. Um, One thing that I think is a, a step, maybe step number four for beginning the renovation is to plan for the renovation. And so I like to tell clients like have a landing place in your home where there's no renovation going on. There's no dust. There's no contractors walking through. And so um, I, I, when I started my design career, um, I had a renovation in my home and it was the kitchen and one of the bathrooms at one time. And we had a mini kitchen in our basement. So we had our mini fridge and microwave and our new wave oven. And we didn't have air fryers at that time. In six years ago, but <laughs> all of Oh my gosh, I would have just had that and that would have been it. But um, all the things that you would need for convenience, have them kind of in one spot. So to your point about doing everything at once, I would say at least have one bathroom that you're not renovating if it's bathrooms. And if it's a kitchen, have a mini kitchen somewhere for sanity. I mean, that's a valuable tip. Yes, yes, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so I've got a question because there are so many DIYers out there. I keep getting so many Instagram ads for like, oh my gosh, just follow me along. I've done this amazing reno all myself. At what point should we put down the power tools and bring in the professionals? Such a good question. I would say if you're doing anything structural, that's right off the bat should be done by a professional. Mm. Um, I would also say there are some advanced skilled craftsman warranted trades that I think should be a no-no for a DIYer. Um, so for example, um, electrical, that's, that's, you know, that's a liability. That's an insurance hazard, a safety issue. I would certainly, if you're changing out a light fixture, okay. Cause there's existing wiring and you're kind of connecting the dots. But if you are creating new wiring, moving electrical, um, I say that's a no-no. Plumbing, that's a no-no all around. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. Um, but I think maybe the easier answer is like, what can a DIYer do? And I think some um, entry-level carpentry is always open to a DIY project. But yeah, nothing Demo? structural. Demo is... I thought that was a give, give me, but your facial expression no. is telling What if you hit a pipe? I've had mm-hmm. professional demo companies. I like to work with contractors or general contractors who hire subs that are professionals in each category, as opposed to one person doing everything. Uh, so that was a sidebar and maybe a tip. But um, 
I've had professional demo companies accidentally hit a pipe and like burst and then there's like a leak. Um, so you, I don't think yeah. demo should be done um, by a DIYer. There's too many risks involved. You don't know what's behind those walls. <laughs> and I think it depends on the person, right? I watched, yeah. I watched some video on some girl who's like, just build your own closet. And it looked like she took this like video from like, for like, a hundred days. And I was like, yes. absolutely not. I will not be working for half of my year with all my spare yeah. time. No, man. I think I saw that video too. And it looked amazing in the end, oh, but she did. She spent <laughs> half a year, just like every evening. And I was like, nope, not in mm-hmm. me. Gonna no. hire that out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I started this journey and this, um, of design six years ago. And that's when I renovated my, my own home. And there are some DIY projects that we did. And I'm like, why did we decide to do that ourselves? Like our flooring, I'm just, is just, I'm going to be um, vulnerable. We, <laughs> <laughs> just so no one else makes the same mistakes. Um, but we decided to do like um, a luxury vinyl plank flooring, like a laminate uh, flooring. Yeah. And it's super durable. It's great. But, and it was, fairly easy to lay down but because it has like the tongue and groove but we didn't stagger the planks the way that we should have (laughs) and so now they're starting to separate and I'm like okay what Mm -hmm. I thought was easy I probably should have had a professional do it so Mm -hmm. be very cautious about that no, that I mean, makes sense. I think it's a good tip too, because again, we all want to do, I think we naturally want to do things or try things, but yeah. At what point? <laughs> and HGTV makes it look so easy oh, to just do yeah. Oh, it's so seductive. Yeah. And it's so cheap. <laughs> and there, you know, so many people on Instagram you can follow, they're like, watch me as I do my own home. But, you know, there are also people who chop their bangs off in terrible ways, too. And I wouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. You don't cut your own hair. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I will say that's television or Instagram versus real life. Because mm-hmm. have you seen, I wonder if you look at that project up close, will it look as beautiful as a filtered or altered image? Who knows? Mm-hmm. So there is a place for DIY. I don't want to. Oh, for it. sure. No, no, yeah. no. no. <laughs> I do it all the time. But. There is just a certain level of skill needed for some of the trades that I would just be cautious about. Uh, There's also, I was just thinking like about some projects we've done and Will's like, Will's my husband. He's like, Uh well, you know, by the time I like bought all this stuff at Ace Hardware, I mean, or Home Depot or wherever, and then I had to go back because I bought the wrong thing. And then like, you know, there's also just the headache the headache question yes 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 (laughs) agree so in case any of our listeners have not heard there are all sorts of supply chain issues happening right now how is that changing renovations that you're working on and like do we need to have that in mind when we're starting our own that's such a good point there are delays everywhere with uh supplies and furniture and and lumber and everything else and so i always recommend to gather all of your materials first before a contractor swings a hammer the worst thing is to have a totally demo kitchen nowhere to cook and no supplies they're waiting on flooring or they're waiting on appliances right now i think Cabinetry is at a minimum for most places, 20 weeks out. Appliances, same thing, 20 weeks out. 
I can't imagine not having a kitchen for 20 weeks and there's nothing happening. So uh, yeah, yeah, get everything at least ordered or on site <laughs> before any walls come down. I just want to do, would you like hire your, your, all of your design team your contractor, your designer, mm-hmm. like have your whole plan, order everything. And then just sort of like wait before they come demo. That's, yes. that's essentially what the process looks like. Okay. Yes. Right. yes. Yep. While that seems like a lot of work and maybe a lot of waiting on the front end, it's, I would rather wait with the kitchen than without. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. A kitchen, totally. I mean, we're picking on kitchens, but it's probably the most difficult renovation in the home because it affects lifestyle so much. Um, and there's mm-hmm. so many moving parts to it. So yeah, I, I keep using it as an example because I've seen it happen and it's it's a nightmare to have to wait while you don't have a place to cook. So yeah. And for projects that you need I would say the easiest room to renovate. Oh, it's anything without uh plumbing and <laughs> cabinetry. So anything without permits. Yes, that that maybe it's a living room or a dining room or um kind of a general living space or a bedroom where it's flooring, paint, and that's an instant refresh. Um, because those two things have such a great impact on the space, but it's not digging into like electrical or plumbing. So, yeah. And going back to going back to like getting everything done up front and permits, like you can get your permits renewed and renewed and renewed. Yes. But you, you can't do anything if you don't have a refrigerator or a stove. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, right. takeout is not fun for six months. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's- there goes that miscellaneous budget. Right. True. <laughs> so true. true. What about, so we've talked about having like all of your materials ready to go. What about your fabrics, furniture, art, like the soft goods? Do you need to have all of that stuff in mind of like where that part of the room is going before you decide your flooring, your hardware, or can you do them separately? Hmm. I think um, it's best to think of it holistically. So going back to having the goal in mind, and if the scope of work is renovation and furniture, it's best Mm -hmm. to have, um, let's say the goal is more entertaining, uh, more space to entertain. I think that goes hand in hand with the renovation, because if there's an opportunity to give you more space, then that would happen during the renovation process. But if there's an opportunity to give you more seating, that would happen in the furniture plan process. So I like to plan... um, renovation materials first and get that out of the way quickly and then go right into furniture um, planning. So yes, they sort of go hand in hand for the bigger picture of the project. So, cause I feel like if you're thinking like, so say you're like, okay, I need to, we need to redo my kitchen and it's like an open floor plan. You need to know what sort of sofa fabrics and rug and all of that stuff before. I mean, it seems to me like a lot of people would probably think like, oh, I'll just decide that later. Like I'm spending all my money in the kitchen. I'm not ready to purchase all the the soft goods and the, the furniture yet. You're right. I do think it is. It's almost like this rule that we have with paint too. Paint goes last. So I would mm. say... It's the same with soft goods versus hard goods, um, hard finishes. It's easier to find a trillion fabrics to match with like tile and flooring. So I would start with the construction materials first 
and then your soft furnishing materials and fabrics. Yeah, because there, there's okay. so many options out there to match. So, Do you feel like it's smart to have a, a final plan for all those soft goods, even if you're not going to purchase it all at once or... Like no, I think you can layer? start the I think you can start the construction process with all of your like hard finishes first and then work in the the uh, design plan for the soft goods. Yep. It can happen like right after. But back to you have this overarching goal. And and for us when we work with clients, we already know like what's the color we kind of know the color palette for the entire home or space. So like we have a general idea for soft furnishings, but we're not going to specify details until we're we're done with, you know, the construction materials. That's a great okay. idea too, because I know I personally need to nail down my whole design ideas and direction. And I would love yeah. your tips on how to define a design direction. Sure. Because I get I get waylaid by Oh my gosh, this is so pretty. I want to I want to recreate this room. And then a couple of weeks later, I'm like, well, what if what about that room? And like other inspiration. Yeah. And with with renovations or construction sometimes taking longer because of supply chain, what do you do about flippant clients like me who are ready to <laughs> to go in any any direction? <laughs> That's great. I think um you have to, so we have the end goal in mind, which is probably aligned with function, but I think you also need to identify what your design style is and not so much so that you can fit into a box, but we have clear direction for the design, the overarching theme of the project. When we start with clients, we kind of get like two or three key words that we keep in mind for the entire project, whether it's renovation or furniture. Um, so for example, right now we're working on um, a new construction project. And um, our three words are modern farmhouse chic. And so whatever we do, whether it's furniture or renovation, will be in alignment with that. And then we also have a color scheme going. So create the plan and stick to the mm. general outline of the plan. And I try to nail down design ideas early in the process. So once it's on paper and we start ordering furniture, then that's it. <laughs> um, so yeah, create a plan, stick with it, but try to have a theme in mind to hold you throughout. Because I think it's important to always have a cohesive home. So um, mm -hmm. we're renovating five bathrooms in that modern chic farmhouse. And I'm usually going to use probably, I think we're using like five different tiles. And we're just kind of like using different colors and variations of it just so that there isn't a drastic difference as you walk room to room. So, Well, I also feel like a lot of designers will say like they want to, they would rather do a room start to finish and like fully finish it out. Yes. And it, it seems to me like if you're going to come up with a plan, yeah, see it all the way through because it's not going to look right until it's completely finished. Yeah. And so just like stay focused, stay patient because it's it's easy to feel like it doesn't look right because yes. it's not finished. Yes. It's because it's not finished, not because you made the wrong decision. That's why if that makes sense. I don't like to do installs um, with our clients until every single thing is in. I mean, if we're missing like a pillow or a vase, okay. Especially with delays, it gets more difficult to do that right now because of the pandemic. But 
I'm like, you know, maybe in the process they're like, okay, the sofa's in. Can we like have the sofa delivered so we have a place to sit? And I'm like, no, let's wait until, you know, 95% of the items are in because it's hard. You know, we're the visionaries. That's why you hire a designer. So it's hard for a client to be expected to kind of see the vision without the entire picture. So. Okay, here's it. Here's something that I feel like maybe, and this is back to HGTV, which we love, but I feel like it's really popularized a focus on resale value. How much should you worry about resale value when you're renovating, or should you just like do what you want because it's your house? Very good question. And my my uh, general rule of thumb is that. It uh, depends on what room, but a renovation will last probably about 10 years, meaning not the actual quality of work, but the style and and you kind of like get in the itch to redo something new. So I always ask in our client questionnaire when we begin projects, how long do you expect to live in the home? And if it's under five years, then yes, please worry about resale value because you want to make sure that your home is marketable to the next homeowner. But if it's forever, Do whatever you would like in the space because you're going to live there. You have to love it. And even if it's 20 years, if it's over that 10 year mark, then I say, go ahead and do what you'd Mm -hmm. like. There are some limits to that, like extreme limits, like having no tubs in the house. I get that question Mm -hmm. often. We're not tub people. We take showers. If you plan to sell your home ever one day, then I would say you probably should have at least one tub in your home. So there's some limits, but under 10 years, keep it very neutral. Over 10 years, do whatever you want. Or even under 10 years, if it's neutral, then do like art or an area rug or something that's temporary. Do something fun with that, but just not the permanent fixtures. Well, what about things like feeling like you have to do a white kitchen? Like, can you, because couldn't you just paint? Like, yeah. To me, I'm like, well, I'm going to paint my cabinets green because I love green. And if really some realtor comes in and tells me that no one wants a green kitchen, then can I just paint it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Is that yeah. Um, I'm going to go back to 10 years because that green kitchen is a huge investment for you, right? Like while you're renovating. And so if you have to change it because the house isn't selling in five years, then is it worth it? Like, can we get green on um, the window treatments or something else in the kitchen. So back to that under 10 year, over 10 year rule, I definitely say it's all about the return on your investment. What if I'm at seven? <laughs> I think seven, seven years. Is oh, specific, seven is Caroline. Right in the middle. It's more than five, but it's less than 10. I would say <laughs> you're going to sell the house in seven years. You don't want to redo cabinets in seven years. Then I would, I would unfortunately go with a more neutral palette. Green, though, I think green is becoming like somewhat of a new neutral. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't rule it out. But yeah, <laughs> so with balance. Well, that brings me to uh, like another question. Like, are there colors that are transitioning into kind of more staples, like like green kitchens, I feel like are yeah. becoming more traditional feeling. But where can where can we add punches of color and make impact? I love that color is slowly making its way back into our homes. Although my design style generally lends to like a neutral palette, I still love to see it um, and I'm excited about it. The color of the year for 2022 
across several different paint authorities, Sherwin Williams and Benjamin Moore, is some shade of green. My favorite is Evergreen Fog by Sherwin Williams. I think it's just this beautiful, calm shade of green. But I think green is making its way back because it's a sense of renewal and a sense of like refresh. And we're coming out of the pandemic, knock on wood. And so we're all <laughs> looking forward to like a spring, if you will. So definitely green. Uh, blue, I think, is always going to be around, but I think it is reemerging in different ways this year. Um, so blue, green are colors I see. And then this like palette of like terracottas and reds and blush has been around mm-hmm. for a while, but like that family is making its uh, a comeback as well. Where can you use color? I like to use color on the walls. Paint is temporary. Paint is an easy and expensive fix. And so if you want that green kitchen, but you don't want to buy $20,000 worth of cabinets again, paint the walls green, go with the white cabinets, and then have some art to bring in the green again. So I would say paint is an easy color, uh, easy way to add color. In bathrooms, an easy way to add color is the vanity. That's an inexpensive Mm. way to do it. Hardware is so much fun. So like pools and knobs on cabinets are like, there's so many options out right now where you can get ones that have like a a jeweled stone in the center. That's a beautiful color. Colored glass. Yes. Mm -hmm. I've seen oversized hardware drawer pools and knobs and like brass and black and leather. So yeah, that's where you can add some fun and personality into a space. Mm. Yeah, there's so much on hardware that you can like definitely jazz jazz things up if you really want. So yes, yeah. Okay, say you hate your house, but you're gonna stay there. You got a smaller budget. What room would you say gives people the most value, or like makes them the happiest to redo? Is it kitchen? No, because that's. I mean, yes, uh, but the budget's well, small, right? Right, right. If the budget's small. Okay, I'm going to give you two answers. Sure. (laughs) I would say the living space, because we're all home so much more nowadays. And so it needs to be multifunctional for the family. So I would say the living space and to make a big impact, start with paint on the walls and then flooring. So that's the first answer. The second answer is The kitchen is like, if you want to make a change in your home, you do your kitchen, it increases the value of the property and it's the hub of the home. It's the heart of the home. So it will have the greatest impact, but it is expensive or can be expensive. So if you are redoing the kitchen, keep the cabinets because they're, aside from appliances, the most expensive thing in the space. And then change out backsplash or floor because flooring is... I'm actually looking to my kitchen. I'm like, I need to, what do I want to change? But flooring is, it's not a lot of square footage and flooring super affordable. You can get floor for $2 a square foot, $3 a square foot, and you can alter the pattern. You can put different grout color to change the look of it. So flooring and backsplash change, paint on the walls, light fixtures change. That's going to keep you under, let's say 5,000 maybe. And then keep your cabinets and appliances is depends on what you need. Um, I like and, that. And I also just yeah. feel like lighting. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. is there anything mm-hmm. that's going to like just 
Mm. Make your space shine, and I. <laughs> is that a good fun. pun? Yeah, that's you a know. Great pun. But it's, yeah. I just feel like light fixtures are oh, the icing on the cake. They the are. It's like the jewelry in the in the mm-hmm. room. I feel like curtains are the eyebrows on the face. Like your curtains, <laughs> your window treatments, they have mm-hmm. to be right because they also are eye level and up. So they have a big presence when you look at them. But yeah, so curtains are eyebrows and light fixtures are the jewelry in the space. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a favorite teaching moment in design? Like one that you're always teaching your clients? Yes. Measure five times cut. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that was the thing. It's five times. Okay. Five times. <laughs> now, I guess realistically measure three times. I think twice mm-hmm. may not even be enough. I think we all have a tendency to think that something that we see in a store would fit well into our home. But you got to remember, you're probably looking at a huge showroom with tall ceilings. It's a wide open space, like a warehouse style space. And so to have that to scale in a home, it may be oversized. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would always say um, create some sort of floor plan. If you're not working with a professional, like an interior designer or a contractor, then you can go to, let's say you're doing your kitchen. You can go to a cabinet store and they will create a cabinet floor plan for you for your kitchen. And they basically, they'll basically create a floor plan for you. So you'll have your appliances etched into the plan and the cabinetry. So my, regardless of what project you're doing, whether it's renovation or furnishings only, always, always measure before you purchase. Six or seven times, eight times maybe. Absolutely. (laughs) I mean... If Karen was here, she's our in-house non-measurer, and she always <laughs> she likes has, to share yeah. those bad stories. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. How many times she might have returned something, or or could have returned? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the worst is I, a bargain I, shopper who doesn't measure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. like you know, you got it on clearance and you can't return it, but you didn't yeah. measure. Uh huh. Yep. Yeah. That's when you need that. I used to, yeah. you know, if I'm in a store and I see something and I'm like, oh, this is beautiful. I love it. I always do believe you should buy things that you love, but you just got to measure it first. That's all. No, well, I feel like it's, I, okay, I don't do this, but if I, I should do this, but I don't, but like have a little, <laughs> have like a note in your phone or something of like yeah. certain mm. spaces in your home that you know you're looking for and yeah. like, no, okay, it's 40 inches wide or yeah. whatever so that you can, when you're out there and you see something, you have it written down somewhere. Absolutely. And a tape measure. And a tape measure. But if you go into like home goods or something, or I'm sure in in Ballard as well, like there's like the paper Paper tape tape Mm -hmm. measures. Yeah, we have a tape measure. Yeah. We have a real thing. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Or you go, okay, that was to my fingertip, to my elbow three times. Go yeah. home, measure yeah. my arm. I've done that too. Why has no one invented like an app that oh. measures stuff? Oh, there is oh, our phone. Oh, yeah. Is there? Yes. I, yeah. Sorry, can't make that money. Yeah. <laughs> and but I'm glad it exists. I even I, don't know I have about it, I even so. do all of my notebooks digitally on my iPad, so I keep all my measurements and room measurements in a notebook on my iPad, which transfers to my phone. So I love it. Liz, you you're so you're, organized. Yeah, you're, I'm, trying. Maybe you can do I'm trying. I'm trying. 
Okay. <laughs> we'll do is, a lunch yeah. and learn. Yeah. I, um, one app that I do like, it's, I think it's just called measures. I mean, so at least iPhones have like a built-in measuring mm-hmm. tool, but there's an app called measures. Mm-hmm. I think it's like six bucks, but you can take a picture and then actually write the measurement on the picture for each of the walls so that you can kind of visually remember. Yeah, it's really cool. But can you measure something like if you're, can you measure something with your phone? Oh, no, I would use that embedded measure app that's in our phones to actually yeah. measure it. But this helps you to like visually. <laughs> because you, you're like, I didn't know, know, know this app existed. Yeah, she's about to get on that phone. This is- <laughs> I got to find it. You do. You have to play with it. It's fun to see if it something measures like it says. Yeah. Yeah. But that is so smart too that you can again, yeah, apply the measurements to walls because I just, we're all so visual, especially yeah. in this field that again, being able to visualize something in its space or, you know, just how it would scale. Did you find it, Caroline? Oh Caroline's yeah, got her phone out. That's hilarious. I love it. Search me to use it. Okay. You just yeah. Kind of- Every See? app, every iPhone has that. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but really dumb now. <laughs> Don't feel dumb. You didn't know because you didn't use it. But it I'm is I'm sure. Such a I think half of my yeah. friends didn't know that existed. So you're not alone. Don't yeah. Worry. We can have people write in from this episode and, and admit if they also did not know that that was on the Yes, phone. please make me feel better. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that it is time though for us to answer a decorating dilemma. How do y'all feel about that? Anybody? Yeah. Yay. Let's do it. Okay, so today's note is from Tracy and she writes, Hi podcast team. Thank you so much for how to decorate. It's my favorite podcast and has really sparked my interest in design. I live in the Baltimore suburbs with my husband and two boys, a five and a four-year-old. We moved a year ago to our forever home and we love it. It's quirky old Cape Cod that started small and has had a couple additions since, one in which is a great room off the main living room area. How would you lay out the furniture in this room? I envision a comfy and inviting room where we will hang out and read, chat, socialize. My husband is insistent on a pool table ping pong table situation. Do we need window treatments for the room to look complete? What paint colors would work best for this space? Any thoughts on a great chandelier? If you can answer even one of these questions, I will be so excited. Uh, Tracy. All right. So, Rashida, you're going to have to totally help her. (laughs) I will say I wrote back to um, Tracy because she had, uh, I just had asked her for dimensions um, just to see if we could help her a little bit more. And she did say, because I, I was like, well, how are you going to use the space? I know you said ping pong table, but she said no TV. This is going to just be like a hangout read space. So if that helps you with answering. And she has, some, okay. she has a big window with a round. She has a pitched ceiling. And so she has one big window, two small windows that she said, she, you know, it's just beautiful outside. So she wants to keep the view. And then she has um, a set of built-ins that have a door in the middle of them. And then it has a weird recessed step above with uplighting. It's just an oh. interesting way. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just different. But she does have a gorgeous big kind of antique looking chandelier um, that she does like in there as well. So that is a... 
that is definitely a complex design dilemma. I'm going to try to block the ping pong table out for a second and focus on the first thing that she brought up, which was um, she would like the space to be comfy and inviting, a place to hang out, read, chat, and socialize. Mm -hmm. So I think because this room doesn't have defined solid walls, that's what makes it pretty difficult. I can see a window wall, a built-in wall, a half wall, two half walls. So window wall, half wall, built-in wall. So to me, that means we should float furniture. And so I would recommend um, getting an area rug that's large enough to house the furniture that you would like to see in this space so that the area rug is the grounding point. Would initially, I guess I would lean towards placing the sofa or sectional on the window wall, because that's probably the most solid of them all. And it's also not facing the back of the sofa wouldn't face the door. So you want to make sure that you're inviting in the space. So you want the folks that are going to be sitting in there to be facing kind of the entrance for that welcome feel that you'd like. Um, so large sofa, back of it against the window. Mm-hmm. And then I would also kind of have two or so chairs flanking that sofa and maybe a small ottoman on the other side of it to kind of create this conversation area. So that's the first zone of your room, the conversation hangout spot with seating Mm -hmm. to accommodate. Ping pong table is a difficult addition to have in this space. (laughs) (laughs) But I think you can create it in the far, I I guess I would say the far... Uh, right side of the room as you walk into almost the area where you're going to pass the built-ins. So you can have the ping pong on the exact opposite side of the room. Um, I wonder if you have an existing ping pong table or if you're looking to purchase one. If you're looking Uh, to purchase one. Oh, go ahead. Keep going. If you're looking to purchase one, then I would try to get one that doesn't look ping pongy all the time. Is that a word? Um, so it has, <laughs> it has somewhat of a cover or maybe a nicer fabric on the top of it mm-hmm. so that it doesn't always kind of be the focal point in the space. You can uncover it or flip the top for it to be um, an activity area. But I would make that another zone within the room. And then to save space, you could have ottomans that are associated with that area that you can slide in and out. So maybe there's a console table nearby with a few ottomans under that you can pull Mm -hmm. out when you guys are playing ping pong. And then you have a place to sit in that second zone. So yeah, large Mm -hmm. seating area, zones are grounded by an area rug, um, and then ping pong section. Mm -hmm. And I think she had some questions around window treatments, maybe. Yes, Yes. she was wondering if she should do them or not. Yes, I think you should. I know that you like the natural sunlight, Tracy, so I wouldn't cover the windows. I would only do it because it will make the space look complete. I mentioned earlier that window treatments are like eyebrows in a, in a space, so you want them to be just right. You have the arched window, and so you could certainly begin the window treatments right where the square Uh, shape of the window begins. Um, And I think it would just really frame it nicely, especially um, as a backdrop to the seating area. It kind of gives this sense of cohesiveness in that area. And almost Mm -hmm. like this is a living space because you have window treatments. Um, So yeah, I would do window treatments to outline. So very wide and 
not to cover the window, but to complement it. Okay, okay so here's a question for you about, sorry, about the window treatments. Liz, is your question about the window treatment? It is because she's got those two, two. thin, we're talking about the same thing, Caroline. Yeah. She's got two thin windows on either side of the oh. main window with the arch over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you extend the drapery all the way across to make it cohesive? Would you do small treatments? What would you do? This is a very interesting. Um, I would do small treatments. I would do one panel on the outside of those very thin windows. And I would do it the same height as the big center window. Um, Because your rods are all the same height. The rods are all the same height. But I'd like that open wall space in between because that's opportunity for artwork. And so I wouldn't carry the drapery all the way across. I would treat each window separately and I would do one or two panels. I'm leaning towards one right now. One or two panels on the outside, narrow windows, and then four, two and two on the center. Okay. Y'all tell me if I'm just seeing things, but it looks like the right window backs up to that weird closet thing. So can she even fit in? Yeah. A drapery on the outside of that? She can if she treats the other op- the same window on the other side the same. So if you're going to put drapery there, you could do the one side or you can do two sides, but you're going to cover that molding because it's so close to that closet. So you got to do the same thing on the other side. You got to cover the molding on the other side too. Could she do a combination of shades and drapery? Like could she do sh- Roman oh, shades yeah. on the skinnies and drapes on the big or would that be weird she could she certainly could do that <laughs> yeah she could it would I'm not be weird potential. But yeah it wouldn't be weird um because there's also poor architect why why in the world is this house <laughs> um outlined this way but there's also windows in the front near the entry it looks like and mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. having the window shades on the smaller, narrow windows will also give you the opportunity to put uh, shades on that, those front windows as well. So, yeah, if you're feeling like drapery overload by doing drapery on all four of those windows on that wall, you could do the combo of drapery and shades. Okay, I have another question about her drapery on the on that wall, because it looks like there's a floor radiator that she's got to um, contend yeah. with, too. Yep. That's fine. So many challenges in this room. So I mean, it's, many a, challenges. it's an amazing space with that ceiling. And I mean, it's a, it's an amazing space. Right. But there's small I mean, challenges everywhere. I certainly, you could certainly do shades everywhere, but I don't think it's going to, it's such a big space. I want to use drapery to make it mm-hmm. more co- comfy in her words. I just say, you know, if you're concerned about, I'm never really concerned about baseboard heaters. And I live in a city where there's baseboard heaters everywhere. But if you are concerned, I don't want to be liable for any issues or accidents. (laughs) Make sure you use fire retardant material for your drapery. So, um, yeah, that could be a good call. Yeah. Yeah. Or you can have tie backs on the wall. And then when you have the heat on, pull the drapery back so it's not touching the floor okay she also said thoughts on a great chandelier and what paint colors i love the chandelier too it's beautiful 
And so she she wants well, she wants a new one. Is what oh. she? Yeah. Oh, okay. I All like right. it, but she wants shoes. Yeah. It's big. It is mm-hmm. big. You and just it may be a bit formal for like the kind of space that she's creating as well. It's in an interesting spot because we have these two functions in the space that we want to create seating and ping pong area. But the chandelier is kind of like not centered on anything. So if you are changing it, my recommendation is to get rid of it. Like, mm-hmm. okay, totally no light fixture and just okay. do another wow. recess light or close it. Mm-hmm. Oh, are there recess lights? No, I would go with recess lights throughout the space. And then lamps and, and yeah. things to kind of make atmosphere. Yep. Mm-hmm. I do like to layer lighting. So I would say you got to have your overhead, whether it's one light fixture or recess cans. And then you need to have like accent lighting or task lighting. Task lighting would be those table lamps or floor lamps. And then accent lighting would be if she decided to do some lighting around the built-ins, then she could put some accent lighting inside of the built-ins or over art piece, something like that. Okay, I was did not expect you to say get rid of the chandelier. I know, <laughs> I know. I, I told you I loved it, but you it, really threw a curveball in there it's for me. Floating, it's like in the middle of the room, and now we're not going to have a middle per se because we want uh-huh. two zones. Yeah, I think, and it's it's such tall ceilings. Yeah, I would I would get rid of it because she wants to do two things. So, just do lots of lamps. Or recent? No, I'm Where sorry. I would have an overhead light, so it, it. I would do uh, recess lights with a few lamps. Yeah. And what about pink? It's interesting. The built-ins are white. Mm-hmm. So, but her I husband think, wants to drink bourbon in here with his guy friends. Yeah, I think I always say pick paint last. So you want to select all your furniture pieces, and then pick paint from it. It looks like this room will get lots of natural light. So you can go, if you want it to feel cozy, I think you can go with like a medium tone, neutral color. Um, you certainly can go with white. There's nothing wrong with that. But I, I'm mm-hmm. kind of feeling like with the white built-ins and the white trim and the white doors, it won't give you as cozy as a feeling as in high ceilings. It's not going to create the coziness that you want. So I would go with like a medium neutral color, like a taupe or gray to really warm up the space, but keep it kind of open and airy. So uh, one of my favorite medium tone gray colors, there's a couple, but I would say Repus gray is a great uh, gray color that has like a nice cozy feeling, but it doesn't overpower the space and color. Um, But yeah, keep it medium, keep it neutral, Bring color in with all of your furniture, accessories, artwork, et cetera. You have some really beautiful, like large living rooms in your portfolio. So I feel like she, Tracy, should go look at your portfolio because there were a few that are just really mm-hmm. spectacular. Thank you. Very true. Mm-hmm. Thank, you, thank you. And they're and they're good. Like you're kind of talking about sort of like medium tone neutrals, and I feel like a lot of them were neutrals with little accents of, but very, <laughs> well, very bold. Yeah. 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 I um I like to use color and furnishings or things that you can kind of change out fairly easy. But a room of this scale, it is going to be a significant paint job. So I would say keep that pretty neutral and then play with 
the things that you can switch out uh, as you would like. All right, Tracy, thank you so much for listening. We're so glad you enjoy the show and send us after photos. I always love to see them. All right, Rashida, thank you so much. You're Uh, welcome. Can you tell everyone where to find you, follow you, see your work? Yes, for sure. So we are on Instagram and all the other socials as Gray Space Interior Design. And that is gray, like the paint color and the word space. But yeah, follow us on Pinterest and Facebook and Instagram and all (laughs) of the things, all of the things. Well, thank you so much. You're so great. Yes. And this makes me want to do a renovation. Mm. I know. I know. Well, everyone has been home over the last two years plus. And all of us designers are really busy with lots of renovations because we're all taking the time to think about how we live. And so Mm. I hope this episode encourages someone to tackle a renovation and just approach it step by step create the plan, and then you'll be very, very, very happy with the results. So I say go for it. And that's our show. You can find all of the show notes on our blog, howtodecorate.com slash podcast. To send in a decorating dilemma, email your questions to podcast at ballarddesigns.net so we can help you with your space. And of course, be sure to follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time. Happy Happy decorating. decorating!